Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Last semester, I actually had the opportunity to get to a class that I was really excited about. Uh, the class was called homiletics. And for those of you that don't know, that's just a word that nobody ever uses that means preaching. Nobody ever uses that word. But I was finally going to get to learn preaching, and little did I know, that's not how it works. But in that class, we were encouraged to experience the world, like go out, listen to what's going on. And part of the way we do that is listening to podcasts, watch videos, listen to the news, look at newspapers. And we actually listened to different videos throughout our uh, semester. We would listen to them once or twice a week. We would respond to them. And one of those videos was something that really caused me to think. It was by someone called KCJ. It was a TED Talk, which is a video podcast where they bring in different speakers to talk about a variety of different subjects. Uh, the subjects can range all over the place. But she was actually an ex-feminist writer who was bringing to truth the story of the MRA, the men's rights movement. And that's not odd enough, she was actually slandered for her desire to be truthful in what she was talking about. See, what she did was she titled her story, Meeting the Enemy. And she talked about her journey to the truth in the TED Talk. How she went and interviewed members of this movement, and she went through hundreds of hours of interviews. She was talking to them, finding out what's going on, because she's going to be writing a book about it. And so as she was going back through her notes, her many hundreds of hours of interview footage, she realized that she wasn't actually being honest. She wasn't being truthful with what they were saying. She would hear one thing, and then she would assume something else. She would hear somebody say, where is the justice for a man being assaulted? But then she would say, well, this person just doesn't care about women being attacked. And that doesn't make any sense, but that's how she felt. She was looking for an excuse to justify what she was thinking about this movement. And she described it in this way. She said that she had to, in order to come to the truth, break down her barriers. She had to peel back her layers of bias if she wanted to get where she wanted. She realized in her own life that if she wanted the truth, those barriers had to come down. That was what she wanted. And so when she actually delivered a truthful, non-biased documentary, members of the feminist movement actually slandered and attacked her. And she said the hardest part of this whole event was not 
hundreds of hours of interviews. I thought that might have been the hardest part. The hardest part was not being attacked for her efforts. The hardest part was breaking down the barriers in her life. The hardest part was breaking down barriers so that she could get where she wanted to be. As Christians, what do we want? Where do we want to be in our own lives? You see, we went through the video in class. We discussed possible meanings. We talked about maybe how to speak to denominational speakers. We talked about barriers extensively, and we figured out the hardest barriers to overcome don't come from family. They don't come from strangers. They don't come from your boss. They don't come from friends. The hardest barriers actually come from inside. The hardest barriers to break down come from within us. And as a Christian, if we want to get to where we want, we need to think about what is our desire. Well, we want to teach Jesus. We want to spread the gospel. We want to let the world know what he has done for us and why we have a hope. But oftentimes, we have barriers. We have barriers that keep us from reaching the truth, from teaching God's truth to those that are around us in our everyday life. You see, we need to have devotion to Christ. But sometimes the barriers get in the way. And tonight we're going to talk about three barriers. I call them barriers of opinion because here's the thing. Opinion is actually one of the most powerful things in the world. But at the same time, it's not powerful at all. Opinion has never once killed someone. It's never attacked anyone. It's never starved someone. But at the same time, opinion has kept us from treating someone the way we need to treat them. It's also kept us from doing something that we need to do. And it might have even kept us from teaching Jesus to someone that really needs it. And so the first barrier of opinion can also be called barrier of pride. You see, barrier of pride, what is it? It's having an overly positive opinion of ourselves. It's really good to recognize when we've done good things in this life. It's good to recognize our worth, but when our pride gets in the way of serving our God, that's when the issue forms. When we create unnecessary attention for ourselves, when we focus on ourselves rather than focus on what's important and who is important, that's when we know we might have a barrier of pride. And this negatively impacts you. It will impact your attitude, the way you interact with people at school or at work. And it impacts how you talk to people, what you say. You might say, surely we're not prideful. Surely not. But do we ever exhibit these traits when we think about, for example, learning about God? Are we apathetic? Do we get a little bit lazy when it comes to learning about God? Do we show these traits when we're studying about God's Word, when we're desiring to learn about Him, but... We, we just feel tired of this. We just feel like, well, I know this stuff. Do we show these traits 
at school, at work, or even in our community? Do we show these kind of traits? Because if you show them, what are you saying? I'm good enough. I don't have to worry about improvement. I'm okay. I can be apathetic because I've been working at this for 2, 5, 10 years, 15, 20 years, 50 years. I'm good enough. Uh, One of my teachers, uh, a guy by the name of Travis Harmon, he said in this class, in homiletics, you will never be good enough. And he was talking about preaching, but we can apply it to our Christian walk. And it sounds mean. What do you mean I'm never going to be good enough? That's what a couple of us thought at the moment, but then he explained. You will never be good enough to not study. You'll be never good enough to stop preparing. Christianity is not a one-and-done deal. And when you get prideful, it might feel that way. We should never stop studying. We should never stop learning in our lives because we'll never be good enough to stop studying. We'll never be good enough to not prepare. But as Christians, pride can be dealt with. And it can be dealt with many ways, but two of them. The first is simply studying and not stopping. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Paul is advising Timothy. He gives him a whole load of different information while he's on his walk as a Christian. But he says in verse 15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker that has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The King James Version says, Study to show thyself approved. Just like being a Christian, study is a continual process. You don't finish the four-year degree and then you're good to go. Not even close. Oftentimes, after we finish a class of heritage, the real big thing that comes to mind is, well, I have now figured out exactly how much about this topic I don't know. Study is a continual process. It's a lifelong process. And I can't think of a better example than God's Word. Ask anyone in here, when did you stop learning from Scripture? Everyone's going to be like, what? We don't stop learning from Scripture. Every time we read it, something else comes out. We learn something else about God's blessed Word. And study allows us to keep that barrier of pride from propping up. Because the more we learn, the more we realize there's more to learn. But we can also break down that barrier by humbling ourselves. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is talking to the church at Philippi, and he's telling them about a situation. But in chapter 2, verse 3, he's advising them. And he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We humble ourselves. How effective is a barrier of pride when we're too busy raising others above ourselves? If we focus on others constantly, if we study constantly, how much room does that leave to think, well, we've got it all under control. We've done enough. It doesn't leave much room at all. You see, studying and humbling ourselves allows a greater understanding, an understanding that we will never stop learning, we will never stop studying, and we will never stop growing as Christians. 
And so if we want to show devotion to Christ, if we want to break down our barriers, one of the barriers that needs to come down is pride. But on a scale, we can have an overly positive opinion of ourselves, but it can actually flip the other direction. We can have an overly negative opinion of ourselves too. It can be what I call a barrier of history. I've met a lot of people in my life, or I feel like it's a lot of people. And I've met people that think that they're too broken to be Christians. In fact, some of my own family actually hold this view. I can't be a Christian. I I mean, think about all the things that I've done. Think about how much that I have in my past. Think about some of the sins that I've committed. Think about what is keeping me from doing what's right. Think about that barrier of history. You see, they've made a barrier of background in their life. They think they're too broken. And even if it doesn't keep them from committing to being a Christian, it distracts. It keeps them from doing what they need to do in their everyday life. It keeps them from talking to people about Jesus. It keeps them from showing devotion to Christ all the time. But the thing about a barrier of history is that we've all had one to a certain extent, but one person in particular in the New Testament Scriptures had one as well. And that's Paul the Apostle. Paul had a barrier of history. He had a past. If you think about 1 Timothy 1.15, this is Paul talking about himself. He says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Some versions say chiefest of sinners. Think about who's saying these words. Paul the Apostle, establisher of churches all across the known world at that time, missionary, guy that's talked to countless people about Jesus, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, if you count it by books. This guy's saying, I am the, I am the foremost of sinners. But Paul the Apostle was also Saul the Persecutor. He actually talks about some of the things that he did. In Acts 22, verse 4, it says, I persecuted this way, this way being Christian. He said, I persecute this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. Think about what he just said. He killed Christians. Saul murdered Christians. We think about people who have a past... I'd call that a past. And in fact, on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, he was actually going again. He was going to persecute the church. Paul had a past. He was the worst of the worst. He was a murderer. And yet, in Acts chapter 9, Christ selected him to be his chosen instrument. You see, a man who caused so much suffering would then suffer much for Christ's name. Why did Christ do that? Why would Christ have selected somebody with such a barrier of history? We talked about 1 Timothy 1.15. The answer is in the very next verse, verse 16. Paul says, But I received mercy for this reason, 
that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. It's not about us. It's not about Paul. It's not about the things he did. It's not about the places he preached. It's not about his life, his ministry. It's about Jesus Christ. And that's something that we need to remember. It's about the power of God. It's about Christ and his sacrifice. So if a man that killed Christians could be the chosen instrument of Christ, can we really afford to talk about our own barriers of history? He said, we need to show devotion to Christ. And the key to breaking this barrier down is what Paul did. Realizing it's not about him. And it's not about us either. It's about his gospel. No matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, no matter the disasters that we may have caused in our own lives, we've all made horrible mistakes in our lives. Some much worse than others. Some that nobody knows about but God. But as a Christian, the playing field is leveled. Because we are not more important than one another. We are Christians. And we serve a God who loves us. Not for what we have done, but He just loves us. And so this barrier of history is the second barrier that needs to go down. Paul sums it up best in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. He says, "...for what we proclaim is not ourselves." But Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You see, showing devotion to Christ is not about keeping a barrier of history in our lives. It's about breaking that down. It's about proclaiming Christ as Lord. Remembering it's not about what we've done, but what Christ will do through us in His church. The first two barriers consist of opinions about ourselves. An overly positive opinion, an overly negative opinion. But the third barrier that I'd like to talk about tonight has to do with your opinion about others. And it's a barrier of bias. And everyone actually has bias, whether we want it or not. Think about this. Do you treat your family better than a complete stranger? That's bias in action. Do you treat family better than someone that's terrible to you. That's a bias. You have an opinion about people, but how you let it affect you is whether or not we have a barrier of bias when it comes to showing devotion to Jesus Christ. There's some things we need to realize. First, that everyone sins. We all know this. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone on earth needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all in the same boat. And God desires that we all obey. He says that in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. And finally, that Christians should answer that call. Look at Romans 10, verse 14. Romans 10, verse 14, it says, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We don't have to preach in a pulpit. 
people need to hear the gospel more than just in a building. Our neighbors need to hear about Jesus. Our coworkers need to hear about Jesus. Our fellow students need to hear about Jesus. Does a barrier of bias affect the way you see that? Because if it does, it needs to come down. And I say, surely we don't have bias. We may have one or the other of the first two barriers, but maybe we don't have bias. But when you think about who needs the gospel, who comes to mind? Who needs the gospel of Jesus Christ? I definitely need it. And then my friends, my family, they definitely need that. Did the guy in jail make it on that list? Did a terrorist make it on that list? We think about who we pray for. I don't remember where I heard this, but I heard a guy say, congratulations, your prayer now has newfound power. Everyone that you prayed for last week is now going to heaven. Congratulations. Who is going to heaven? Well, I prayed for myself last week, so I made it. And I prayed for my friends and my family and my my awesome church family. They made it. Did a rapist make it? Did the terrorist who did the 9-11 attacks make it? Did the people who did the school shootings across this nation recently make it? Yet we all need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all need to realize that God wants everyone to come to repentance. I'm reminded a little bit of the book of Jonah. Now we think about the book of Jonah and you can ask people, what is Jonah about? Well, it's about this guy named Jonah and he was eaten by a fish. What else? Well, that's, that's about it. But we all talk about how Jonah didn't go to Tarshish. He didn't want to, or excuse me, he didn't go to Nineveh. He fled to Tarshish. And we think about it, well, well he was scared, but that's, that's not really why. If we look at Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. See, Jonah fled to Tarshish because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want the Assyrians saved. He didn't want them to repent. The Assyrians were known at that time and still to this day as one of the most horrible peoples ever to walk this earth. They did a lot of unspeakable things. In fact, there are reports of whole cities actually committing suicide before the Assyrians came into town so that they didn't have to experience what the Assyrians would do to them. They were evil. They were horrible. Jonah was mad Because God was offering them grace. Jonah went to Nineveh and he said repent and they did. But he was angry about it. He actually waited outside the city in this chapter 4 and he was waiting for God to destroy them. 
But he didn't realize something. The same grace that God is offering the Assyrians is the same grace that he received. And it's the same grace that we receive in our own lives that we don't deserve. And yet we've received it anyways. And so no matter who we deal with in this life, no matter where we go, who we talk to, even that person that makes us uncomfortable, even that person that makes us angry, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear about Jesus. A barrier of bias, we can't afford to have one. Because it doesn't just affect our soul, but it affects the souls of the people we work with. It affects the souls of people we go to school with. We need to break down that barrier of bias and realize the gospel is for everyone. Friends, family, murderers, politicians, criminals in general. Jesus is for everyone. John 3.16, for God so loved just me and my close friends and family. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. You know, we need to move back past these barriers of opinion. Maybe none of these apply to you at all in any shape or form. Maybe you don't have an overly positive opinion of yourself. Maybe you don't have an overly negative opinion of yourself. And maybe we've been working on our barrier of bias for a long time and we got it pretty much nailed down. But there's some sort of barrier in our life that's keeping us from teaching others about Jesus as well as we need to. Maybe it's you're uncomfortable talking to people. Maybe you get stressed out. Maybe you don't like to hang around people very much. Maybe you're just focused on work. Maybe it's loneliness. There's some sort of barrier in our lives. You know, Casey J needed to break down her own barriers to reach the truth. But as Christians, if we want to show devotion to Christ, if we want to commit ourselves to God, we need to break our barriers down to preach the truth. What barriers do you have? This week, let's focus on one. Let's focus on one and break it down so that we can go to that person at work. Maybe they've made us angry, irritated, Maybe they've done us wrong. Let's go to that person and talk to them about Jesus. Or maybe you still go to school and that that bully that's been getting on you and will not let up, that person still needs Jesus too. Anyone in your life that you meet needs Jesus. How will we break down our barriers? How will we show devotion to Christ? Tonight, if there's a barrier in your life that you need help with, your church family is no one better to help you with that barrier. You can break down your barriers tonight. You can ask for prayers and strength from your church family. They'll help you break your barriers down. They will pray for you and they will certainly love you. They'll help you break them down so that you can go out and commit yourself to Christ more fully. Or maybe you haven't broken down the ultimate barrier. You haven't committed your life to Christ yet. You have not been baptized into Christ for the mission of your sins. Why? You know, so often people will say, well, I'll do it in a little bit. 
You know, I will get baptized, I will commit my life fully to Christ when I graduate high school. I will be baptized, I'll commit myself to Christ when I graduate college, when I get a car, when I marry, when I raise my family, when I pay off my house. When I retire, I am finally ready to commit my life to Christ. And all of a sudden, an entire life has gone by with excuse after excuse after excuse. Paul talks about that in Romans. He talks about excuses. First chapter of Romans, verse 20. He he says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. We are without excuses. And so, maybe it's time for us to break down that ultimate barrier. We need to commit ourselves to Christ. We need to be baptized, and we need to focus on the one that gave us a hope. If you need it, if you have a need to not, whatever it is, barriers in your life or baptism into Christ, please come as we stand and as we sing.